0: Lucioni. Uh, She's an AI researcher and climate lead at Hugging Face, which is the cutest named company in the world with the cutest uh, corporate logo. It's an open source platform for machine learning uh, models. And uh, she's published some really interesting work on the potential climate impacts of AI, in particular, generative AI, that uh, technology that's got everyone really excited during 2023. Um, We're speaking just as the COP28 climate convention is coming to a close. So it's great to have uh, Sasha here. How do you feel about uh, COP28?
1: Well, let's say I didn't have the highest expectations of COP 28, and I think that uh, I mean, in general, it's there's so many moving parts and so many uh, actors involved that it's going to take a, a while for the dust to settle and for us to really see um, the the results, right, of this of this meeting of so many different nations. Yeah,
0: I, I like you uh, sort of felt. Well, gosh, this is the 28th time uh, of asking, uh, and uh, but I guess it's also the case that if you you only fail when you stop trying. Yeah. So, so you put out a paper, and that was the trigger for me wanting to speak to you uh, a couple of weeks ago, looking at the climate impacts of uh, of, of AI. And and you know, I guess to make sort of sense of that, there's been a you know a, a growing understanding. Of course, that AI is not this dematerialized thing. It is a yes. It may be a dematerialized algorithm, but it runs on physical complex hardware that sits at the top of a very, you know, complicated supply chain. I think my friend Kate Crawford, who's been on the uh, podcast before, talks about this very well in her book, The Atlas of AI. Um, and then, of course, you know, every time we we ask an AI to do something, there is um, a hot process that runs on some servers that then need to be cooled down and all of that uses energy. And, and I think today correct me if I'm wrong so three to four percent of all electricity goes into data centers that proportion is growing at thirty to forty percent a year because the demand is so is so insatiable so in, in a sense it's become a you know would you say it's become a, a really live uh, and, and pressing issue
1: I think that people don't consider it to be as pressing of an issue as it should be I mean uh, it's it's AI is being deployed in, in pretty much everything the thing is is that AI is not so so typically for example when we talk about climate change and um greenhouse gases we tend to think about verticals like transportation agriculture right we have these very well defined verticals so ai doesn't really fit in into any one of those it's typically mm-hmm. put in the ict box but the thing is is that it can be used in a bunch of different um verticals a bunch of different domains and so i think it's really hard for 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 policymakers for for the general public to put AI in a specific climate box. And I think that's part of the issue because first of all, it's, it's dematerialized. And second of all, we don't really know where to put it and how to categorize it in our, in our brains.
0: Yeah, oh that that's a really that's a really good point. Yeah. I think about the the five buckets that we normally see when we look at the sort of sources of emissions, and yes, there isn't one for as general purpose a technology as, as AI. But uh, I guess people have looked at this question before, but in your, your recent paper, which I love the uh the the, the 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 funny headline. Uh, What's uh, driving the cost of AI deployment? Uh, where it's spelt W A T T. uh S nice little physics pun there. Um, we don't get too many of those. Um, y- you know, you were really looking at particular tasks um, and how. Um, energy intensive they were. And then I guess from that, how carbon intensive they were Just sort of talk talk us through that, because it's um, you you do a sort of quite a nice like for like comparison that allows us to to sort of get a sense of what these things entail.
1: So, so far, people have mostly focused and research has mostly focused on the training energy and carbon emissions of AI models. And inference so the actual deployment has always been it's kind of it's harder to get a handle on because it's often distributed it's often you know people have their own AI models running it's all sorts all sorts of places for training it's really like you press start you press stop it's it's relatively well contained and so inference has been overlooked and also people that use different hardware and and all sorts of different models and tasks. And so what we try to do is is essentially paint a broad picture of AI model deployment for different tasks, for different um, types of models, and also to compare models that are specifically trained to do a single task, so fine-tuned for a single task, and these general purpose, quote-unquote, models that are supposed to do uh, several different tasks, and mm-hmm. the goal is really to to compare these two categories of models and to also compare the different tasks and, and show that you know some tasks are more energy intensive than others.
0: Right, uh, and and so you you the, the important point there being that um, you know w- when we have hundreds of millions of people using these services as we already do today, and I, I think I had this rough um, uh, moment where I realized more people have access to generative AI tools today. Than have access to clean sanitation. Uh, wow. Yeah. Right. Because we we are not rolling out flushing toilets and, and clean water to large parts of the world. Whereas, if you've got a smartphone or an Android, you've, you've got access to these tools, um, which which is pretty remarkable. So these the inference is being used, you know, billions of times every hour right across the uh, the, the the globe, um, and and the. The interesting piece, I think, guys, I think the headline that everyone grabbed to was that when we go around and mess around with DALI or Mid Journey, it uses a substantial amount of electricity. But I, I think it was characterized as fully charging a smartphone. But, but just help us understand that a little bit.
1: Right. So, what we found is that image, I mean, generation tasks, generational tasks are more intensive in general than, for example, discriminative. So, for example, if you have an image and you want to say if it's a cat or a dog, That's a discriminative task. You have a set number of categories that you can choose from. And essentially, if you only have, for example, two categories, it's it's a relatively straightforward task, doesn't require a lot of energy. If you're doing generation, so either image generation, but also text generation, it uses more energy because essentially, I mean, on a, on a kind of fundamental level, you have more choices. So for example, even if you're generating only text, you do have any word in the English language or, or sometimes multiple languages. So you have more choices than just, for example, two categories. So that's kind of the first thing. And then what we also found is that generating images is more uh, energy intensive than generating text. And also these um, increasingly high definition models are, are, are creating these images that are very, very uh, like good quality. And so what we found is that, um, so the smartphone charge is a, is a, is a figure given by the EPA in the United States. They, they do give kind of, um, comparison, right. When they, when they try to make some, um, they have these calculators. So it's like driving a car is the equivalent of this many, uh, I don't know. Car, well, they actually do per mile, but anyway, they have like these, these, standardized metrics. And so that one of those metrics is, is a smartphone charge. What we found is that per, per generating, um, a stable diffusion, uh, high definition image. It, it, it takes as much kilowatt hours of, of of energy as the EPA's figure for a smartphone charge. And and the, and the thing is, is that probably these models aren't like the 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 stable diffusion um, high definition model is probably not the one that's being used by Midjourney. And and Dolly has a completely different architecture. But it just goes to show that the the difference between, um, for example, a text-based task and an image-based task is really significant. So I would, I think, like I was hoping that people would focus on on those kind of like relative differences, like the fact that between the tasks that we looked at, the ten tasks that we looked at, there are significant differences, like between these tasks.
0: Yeah, I I I love the way that you've uh, you've qualified that because of course we don't want to get into the world where we say. Your use of a particular tool is is not valuable, even if you think you want to use it, and my exactly. use is valuable. Um, but but there is there is clearly this idea that um, you know c- constructing a funny cartoon half horse half penguin, uh, which I did today as a sort of test before we we spoke, uh, doesn't feel that it's as useful as. Uh, you know, transcribing the notes from between a doctor and a patient, uh, from from audio into text, right? It kind of, you you sort of feel that there's a different level of utility, but we don't want to get into that that world of trading these things off. Um, so, so I, I love the wo- yeah.
1: people often this is a critique I've often heard is like, well, how about a human uh, artist, for example, right. creating this image? And I'm I'm always like, well, you can't first of all compare humans and machines because. There's actually there's actually a preprint that tries to do this, but fundamentally speaking, you can't, you know, take our carbon footprint for a year, divide it by 365, and divide it by the, the amount of time it takes a, a, a graphic artist to make an image. And like that, that doesn't that arithmetic doesn't make sense. There's there's a lot more to human beings than just their jobs. Um, but for a machine, you can actually isolate the energy. Yeah. And actually, there's even more to it than that if you want it to be more complete. Like there's things like life cycle analysis, which will actually take into account above and beyond like the couple of minutes where you use the the GPU there's all of the life cycle as well that comes around it that also has a, has a carbon footprint
0: mm. and, and what do you think is the purpose of understanding uh, th- these types of outputs right the, the, the carbon footprint uh, or the energy cost of uh, of a process like this I mean what do you want it to to turn into
1: so the way it started for me was um I was working in um, So climate positive AI applications, things like, I don't know, tracking biodiversity, and there's actually a lot of very uh, impactful work that can be done using AI to have better climate predictions, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, And then someone came to me and said, well, have you ever considered the trade-offs? What is the cost of the research that you're doing? And is, is there a way of saying, well... In this case, it's worth it. In this case, it's not. Um, and at the time, this was like four years ago, there wasn't. And so that's when I started working um, on better understanding of the different factors that influence the environmental impact of AI. We created a tool, actually, it's